Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. You join us as we are working our way through the story of Joseph in the Bible. And um, many of you may know the story because it's been popularised in the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat and also in the film Joseph, King of Dreams. Now, unfortunately for you guys, I won't be doing as much singing and dancing as they do, but I hope, this, maybe that is fortunately, you don't know. You've never seen me sing or dance. Um, it could be quite a show. It's not. Okay, I won't be doing as much singing and dancing, but I do hope this story loses none of the impacts because of that. And we've seen over the last few weeks how the story of Joseph kind of breaks down into five key events in his life. And they all begin with the letter P, which is really helpful for us. Um, The pit, Potiphar, prison, Pharaoh and prime minister. And today we're looking at number four in that kind of list, in that part of the story where Joseph, the character Joseph and the character of Pharaoh come face to face. Now, if this story, if you imagine this story was made in kind of like a major film today, this would be the, the powerful, tense, dramatic kind of dialogue scene involving two of the most influential characters in the story. And you can imagine the actors playing them. This would be the scene that they go, if I deliver this right, this is the one that will win me the Oscar. Because it's a scene where you're not quite sure what is going to happen next. You don't quite know what the characters are going to do. And what we'll see is in this scene, Joseph has a choice to make. And which option, or the option he chooses to take, has major consequences for the rest of the story. So does anybody remember the film The Matrix? I'm kind of hoping that pretty much everybody has seen that film. Yeah, good. If you remember the film, there's a scene in it where the character Neo, he has been looking for what the Matrix is and he's kind of been investigating and trying to find out what it is. And he gets the choice of whether he's going to take the blue pill or the red pill. He's presented with the option. If he takes the blue pill, he wakes up back in his bed the next day and the adventure ends. He forgets everything that he's investigated and found out about. But if he takes the red pill then the adventure continues. He takes the next step and the story carries on. He has a choice to make and the future of the story hangs on his decision. With this scene with Joseph and Pharaoh is exactly the same. Joseph's choice about what he chooses to do affects the future, not just of Joseph, but of the whole story of the Bible. But unlike Neo, he doesn't know that's the case. He doesn't know there's a bigger story at stake here. Now, for those of you who are new to the story, let me quickly fill you in on Joseph's life so far and how we get to this scene. Joseph has a pretty rough life, to be fair. When he's a teenager, he's beaten up by his brothers, he's thrown into a pit, and he's sold to work as a slave. He ends up working in the nation of Egypt for a man called Potiphar, and he works hard for Potiphar, and he ends up overseeing Potiphar's whole estate. Joseph, at this point in his life, is young, he's attractive, he's successful, and Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him, but he refuses. She gets so angry with him, she accuses him of rape, and he ends up getting thrown into prison. Again, Joseph chooses to work hard in prison for the warden, and he ends up overseeing and running the whole prison, but he can't do anything to secure his freedom. And in the prison, he has a couple of cellmates, Pharaoh's old cupbearer and baker. 
And they both have dreams that they want interpreting. And Joseph chooses to interpret their dreams for them. He tells the cupbearer, in three days' time, you're going to get your job back. Pharaoh's going to give you your job back. But he tells the baker, in three days' time, you're going to get killed. That's exactly what happens. The baker is killed after three days, and the cupbearer gets his job back. But then he forgets all about Joseph and the fact that Joseph helped him. And this is where our story starts today. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Don't worry if you don't, it will be on the screens behind me. Verse 1 starts, when two full years had passed. Full years. It almost is emphasizing what Joseph must be thinking. I've been forgotten about for two long, full years. After two years have passed, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's a bad dream. It's kind of a nightmare for him. He sees seven thin, skinny cows eat seven fat cows. And he sees seven unhealthy stalks of corn swallow up seven healthy stalks of corn. And in that time, in that culture, dreams, there was, a, there was a lot of weight put on dreams. Like dreams were seen to have a lot of meaning. So in verse 8 in the story, it says, In the morning, his mind, Pharaoh's mind was troubled. So he sends for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret it for him. Then the cupbearer chimes up and goes, Ah, there's this guy called Joseph, and I had a dream in prison, and he helped me. He interpreted my dream, and he tells Pharaoh about him. So in verses 14 and 15 of the story, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. It's not even described as a prison. It's a dungeon. You can imagine it's dark. It's dank. It's pretty horrible. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one could interpret it. But I I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now let's just pause there for a moment and look at the two characters, Pharaoh and Joseph, because they really couldn't be in more different circumstances in this story. Pharaoh is this rich and powerful ruler of the Egyptian empire. Everyone knows about him. He lives in wealth. He lives in luxury. But we also saw last week that he's a bit of a fickle man. So at his birthday party, the midst of everybody celebrating his birthday, he decides to kill his old baker. So in the midst of celebration, he decides to murder somebody. So he's kind of this powerful and wealthy guy, but you can also see he's pretty emotionally unstable and quite evil. Joseph, on the other hand, has no power and no wealth. He is a prisoner. He's living in poverty. He's unkempt. His beard is overgrown. His clothes are rags. Rather than being known by everyone, Joseph has been forgotten about by everyone. He's away from his family, and he knows most of his family hate him anyway. That's why he's ended up in Egypt, and he's endured a life of injustice and suffering. And now Pharaoh is asking Joseph for help. So what is Joseph going to do? What do you think is going through Joseph's mind at this point? What do you think he's thinking? Like, imagine you're Joseph. Imagine you've had the life Joseph's had. How would you feel when this rich, wealthy Pharaoh with great power calls you into his presence and says, Joseph, I've had a bad dream. Could you tell me what it means? Because it's troubling me. I think there's a few options. If I was Joseph, there's a few options of what would be going through my mind. Firstly, I could just choose to be pretty fatalistic about the whole thing and just be like, Pharaoh, why on earth should I help you? 
You've had a bad dream. I've had a bad life. Everything in my life is a disaster. You could imagine being pretty bitter about life and just thinking, why should I help you, Pharaoh? My life sucks. I've been held in your prison unfairly for years and you haven't lifted a finger to help me. Why should I help you? So that's one option. Alternatively, Joseph might be thinking, you know what? There's a chance for me to get something out of this situation. This could be a way for me to get out of my bad life. I could tell Pharaoh, I'll interpret your dream, but only if you do something for me. Only if you get me out of prison. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, it's every man for himself around here. I need to get something out of this situation. So maybe Joseph is thinking, I'll try and bargain with Pharaoh. What does he have to lose? Or lastly, he might just say, you know what, I'm I'm just going to help Pharaoh out of fear. Like out of a desire for self-preservation. He might just think, you know what, I'll help you Pharaoh because I don't want you to kill me. So what is Joseph going to do? Because he's got a choice to make here. Well, verse 16 gives us our answer. I cannot do it, Joseph replies to Pharaoh. But... And I do wonder in Joseph's mind whether he says that and then there's quite a long pause of his deliberation. He's like, am I really going to say but? No, I choose to. He's like, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So Joseph isn't fatalistic and he's not self-interested and he's not fearful. In fact, him saying this is quite an explosive statement for him to make. Because Joseph is saying, the only person who can help you, Pharaoh, is not me. It's the God that I follow. Now we've got to remember, Pharaoh thinks he is God. He thinks he is a God. And here is this this slave, this guy who's been in prison, coming before him and saying, you know what, Pharaoh, if you need help, you need help from the real God, and that isn't you. You're not really in charge around here. You're not really in charge of Egypt. You can't even work out what your dreams mean. You need help from the God that I follow, the one true God. And you see, Joseph is being humble here because he's saying, you don't need me, you need God. It's not about me, it's about him. But he's also being incredibly bold and courageous at this moment. But Joseph is offering to help. So the story carries on and Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream about the seven cows and the seven stalks of corn. And we get to verse 25 in the story. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And Joseph tells Pharaoh that God is revealing to him that there are going to be seven years of great abundance in the land of Egypt. There's going to be food aplenty. But then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And the famine would be so catastrophic for Egypt and the surrounding area, it would cause them to forget the seven years of abundance and lots and lots and lots of people are going to die. So Joseph makes this choice to help Pharaoh by interpreting his dream. And that leaves me asking a question, how is he able to make that decision? Like what is Joseph's motivation in that moment to help Pharaoh? Because Joseph doesn't know how things are going to turn out. Why does he choose to act the way that he does? He could say, you know what, you don't need my help, you need God's help. And Pharaoh could just get really angry and kill Joseph. Joseph doesn't know what's going to happen when he says what he does. 
But I think Joseph's motivation here is that he wants to obey God. He wants to do what God wants him to do. But that leaves us asking a separate question, a different question. How does Joseph know what it means to obey God? Because at the time of this story, he doesn't have a Bible. The Bible's not been written yet. He's in the Bible and his story hasn't happened. So you see that he's kind of, anyway, that's a separate point. So how does he know what God wants him to do? He's got no Bible to read for him to know what he should do. Well, Joseph would have known some stories about God from when he was growing up. A little bit like when uh, Lucy and Yusuf will sit down with Reuben and Joel and attempt to try and read them a story before they go to sleep. And it will get more successful as they get older, I imagine. Um, Joseph would have been sat down with his dad and his dad would have told him stories about who God was. And one of these stories was about Joseph's great-grandfather, a man called Abraham. And God had made Abraham a promise. In Genesis 12, chapter 2, we see that God had said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So Joseph would have grown up knowing that God was going to make his family into a great nation. God was going to bless his family, and they were meant to be a blessing to all the people on earth. And something else Joseph knew about God came from a story, not about his great-granddad, but about his dad, a man called Jacob. And Joseph had spoken to him, and we find this story in Genesis 28, 13 to 15. And God had said to Joseph's dad, your descendants, your children, will be like the dust on the earth. There will be so many in number that you can't count them. And you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you will go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. So again, Joseph would have grown up hearing this story that God had promised that his family was going to be a great nation, a huge nation. One that stretched over the whole earth. And again, one that was meant to bless the whole world. This story also told Joseph that his family was blessed because God was with them and he would not leave them. God had been with Jacob wherever he was and he was with Joseph now in Egypt. So when Joseph is before Pharaoh and Pharaoh is asking him for help, he knows what he is meant to do. He knows what it means to obey God in that situation. It's the same thing he had done when he'd worked hard for Potiphar, even though he was a slave to Potiphar, and he'd worked hard for him and ended up overseeing his whole estate. It's the same thing he'd chosen to do when he'd chosen not to sleep with Potiphar's wife. It's the same thing as when he was in prison and he worked hard and he ended up overseeing the whole prison and running it. It's the same thing as when he had two cellmates asking him for help and to interpret their dreams and he chose to do it. Joseph was going to do what he could to bless the people he was around, no matter who they were. And one of the things God had gifted Joseph with was the ability to interpret dreams. And so in this moment, Pharaoh says, I've had a bad dream and I want your help. And Joseph says, I will obey God and I will bless you and I will interpret this dream that is troubling you. But Joseph doesn't know how this situation is going to turn out. He is simply trying to obey God in incredibly tough circumstances. So what is the result of Joseph's obedience? 
Well, we see that Joseph warns Pharaoh about this extreme famine that is going to come, that's going to last seven years, devastate the nation, and lots and lots of people are going to die. But then he is going to give Pharaoh a plan. He tells Pharaoh that he needs to store up food in the seven years of abundance that are going to come so there is enough food to protect people during the seven years of famine. Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph in this plan that he makes him the equivalent of prime minister over the whole land of Egypt, second in command only to Pharaoh himself. Joseph's strategy from God is so wise that the people of Egypt survived the famine, they survived the hunger. Not only that, but the famine is so widespread that it affects Joseph's family back home. And they have to come to Egypt to get food. But because of Joseph's strategy to store up food, his family too survived the famine. And Joseph is reunited with his brothers and with his father. It's an amazing story because it's the result of Joseph's small act of obedience to God here to bless Pharaoh that ends up saving the lives of everyone in Egypt and the lives of his family back home. And Joseph didn't even know any of that was going to happen. Even more incredible is the story doesn't end there. When Joseph's family are reunited, they live together in Egypt. Then Joseph's father, Jacob, gets very old. And just before he is about to die, he gives each one of his 12 sons a blessing. One of Joseph's brothers is called Judah, because everybody in this story's name begins with a J, apart from Pharaoh. He gives, Jacob gives this blessing to Judah and he says, Judah, one of your descendants, one of your children's 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 children is going to be a man who is going to rule the whole world. He is going to be a man who is going to bless all the nations of the world. He is going to be a man who is going to be completely obedient to God and everybody in the world will be blessed by him. And this man will be called Jesus. We're told at the beginning of Matthew's gospel that Jesus descends from the line of Judah. Here's the amazing thing. If Joseph isn't obedient to Pharaoh in that one moment, we never get Jesus. The story of the Bible just ends there and then. Joseph's small decision of obedience leads to the saving of many lives then and it allows the story to carry on until we get to the man called Jesus. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he didn't just obey God in a few or most of the decisions in his life. He obeyed every single time and he led the perfect life that none of us could ever live. Just like Joseph, Jesus too has a scene in his life where a huge choice is laid before him. A choice of whether he is going to obey God or not. A choice that would lead to the saving of many lives or the death of everyone. And his choice was whether he would choose to go to the cross to die for the sin of the world or not. And Jesus, just like Joseph, chose to obey God. Jesus, just like Joseph, was humble, he was bold, and he was courageous. Jesus, just like Joseph, chose to be a blessing to the people around him. But unlike Joseph, Jesus knew his place in the bigger story. Jesus knew what he was going to achieve by obeying God and going to the cross. Because Jesus knew that there was a famine that does threaten the whole world. But it wasn't a physical lack of food. The famine he knew threatens the whole world is a spiritual famine. And this famine threatens every person in the world. 
Because what the Bible tells us is that every person in the world is is in need of having their sins forgiven and their relationship with God restored. We are made to live in relationship with God. That is how our lives are meant to function. That is where they thrive and function best. But if you look at the world around us, you see that people's lives aren't thriving and functioning that often. And it's because we've chosen to reject God and live lives without him at the center. That is what the Bible calls sin. And the consequence of that decision is we're cut off from God, the giver of life. We're separated from him. And this separation ultimately will lead to death and eternity and an eternity away from God. But Jesus chose to go to the cross to die for our sin, to take the punishment that we deserved so we could be set free from our sin and set free to have a relationship with God again. It's a relationship where we are totally loved and totally accepted by God. It's a relationship that feeds our souls and lasts for an eternity. It's a relationship that takes away the spiritual famine and gives us spiritual food and fills us completely. Just like in the story of Joseph, the obedience of one man leads to the saving of many lives. The obedience of Jesus because he died on the cross and rose again, it means that sin is defeated and the spiritual famine that we all experience can be over. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here today, that is what the gospel of Jesus offers. It's a life with God. It's a life with a relationship with God restored. A relationship with the God who made everything, who made everything good and who loves us unconditionally. And there is a choice that is laid before you. It's whether you choose to believe and put your trust in God or put your trust in yourself. And if you're a Christian here today, we often find ourselves in a similar scenario to Joseph. Being asked to obey God, but we don't know the bigger story and how things are going to turn out. Joseph's story is a great reminder to us that when God asks us to obey, we can say yes and bless those people around us, even when we can't see the bigger picture of what, is good, what God is doing. Like Joseph, we too can choose to obey God, and we have an even greater understanding of who God is than Joseph ever had. We can know that our God is with us. We can know that our God is for us. We can know that our God, our God loves us so much because we see in Jesus just how much we have been blessed by God. We see that he loves us so much that he would give himself for our sake. So when he asks asks us to do something for him, it's for our good. We will benefit from being obedient to him. And it's by thinking on the love of Jesus and his sacrifice and being amazed by the fact that he would give himself for, for us that our desire to obey God will increase and our desire to bless the people around us will start to overflow. And amazingly, when we choose to obey God, We can do it with faith that he uses us to bring about his greater purposes in the world. God uses this poor slave prisoner Joseph to bring about amazing purposes in the world. So if there's an area right now that God is calling you to obey in, and you just know that you don't really want to do it, I would really encourage you, obey God, because you just never know what he might be using your obedience to bring about in the lives of those people around you and in the lives of people across the world. Great. Do you want to pray with me? If you feel comfortable, if you just close your eyes and bow your heads, that'd be great. I'm going to invite the band back up. Lord God, we thank you so much for the story of Joseph. I thank you 
for the story of this man who is obedient and trusted you even though he didn't know how things were going to turn out. Thank you that you used him to bring about your amazing purposes to save and care for and bless the people of Egypt and his family, but ultimately that because of Jesus, your story continued and because of Joseph, sorry, because of Joseph, your story continued and because of Joseph's obedience, the story continued until we got Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were the perfect example of what Joseph was trying to do. You were obedient in your entire life. You gave yourself completely to bless other people completely. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. I pray that we would be amazed afresh today by your love. Lord, for those who don't know you here today, I pray that you would reveal the love of Jesus to them. I pray, Lord, you would end uh, the spiritual famine that so many people in this world experience and bring them back into a relationship with you. Lord, and for those of us who would say that we follow you and we trust you, I pray that we'd be amazed again by your love. You would help us to obey you more and more in our lives, trusting in faith that you are using us to bring about your perfect purposes across this world. In Jesus' name, amen.